Hi there, thanks for joining us today on the Event Manager Podcast. I am delighted that you are listening to this episode of the podcast that features Marta Gomes, the newly elected ICA President and Deputy Executive Director Sales Division at Paris. The ICA Association, if you're not familiar with it, is the International Congress and Convention Association whose members tend to be venues and destinations. And so the really core kind of element of this podcast is the thought about having a vibrant membership within the association and how that really makes for a prosperous association. I cover a lot of topics with Marta, including uh, the model, the business model of Vipari and Paris as a global business city. We talk about creating partnerships with associations and also connecting with the associations themselves who are really the clients of the ICA members. We talk about the need for the meetings industry to build back better, including innovating the ICA model and Marta's plans around that. And we talk about why engagement is the best measure of any association's success. And ultimately, we talk about why it's important for people to feel that the meetings industry is, is vibrant and so they want to be part of it. Hope you enjoyed this conversation and don't forget to check out all the other episodes of the Event Manager podcast on our website or on any podcast service that you subscribe to. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings. I'm Miguel Nevsch, the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings, and I'm delighted to have with me today Marta Gomes, the ICA President, newly elected, and Deputy Executive Director, Sales Division at V Paris. Marta, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Miguel. Um, and uh, I see that we have we sh we share uh, our origin Portuguese origins because you pronounce my name very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not everybody's going to pronounce it that way, but it's it's nice to have a, a fellow Portuguese person on the podcast. I think it's a first. Um, so delighted to have you. Would would love to start by getting an introduction uh, from you. I mean, um, you have a, a very interesting career, and obviously, you were just elected um, ICA president. So, congratulations! Thank so, you. I'd love to get your your kind of journey um, through that, and I think that always inspires people and understands, you know, why we're having you as a guest as well. Um, so, I'm um, yes, um, I have a kind of an, in, an international background because, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm Portuguese, but my mother is Brazilian, so there's I have lots of family over in Brazil as well. Um, and my parents chose quite early for uh, myself and my brother and sister to attend an international school. Um, so from the age of three, I attended a British school in, in Porto and then went on to study in the UK. And, uh, and when I left university, I, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be a diplomat because I always thought, you know, the international cooperation was and the collaboration was was really interesting. And I ended up in Paris uh, to do an internship and to perfect my French, which because I had kind of English schoolboy French at the time. It was not so great. Uh, and that's why I discovered events, because I was doing an, uh, an internship at uh, the Portuguese uh, Bureau for um, Com Promotion of Commerce. 
Um, and we were doing yeah, lots of different events to promote Portuguese textiles at the time. Um, and so I discovered the yeah, international exhibitions and conferences and absolutely loved it. So um, so in the end, I ended up being uh, working for the convention center. So I've spent 20 years uh, in different roles at convention centers in Paris, uh, promoting uh, Paris as a destination and getting international events to come to Paris. Um, so in the end, I ended up not being a diplomat, but being a kind of ambassador for my city. Yeah. And that's been really fun. I really enjoy it. Really interesting. I noticed one thing that you said there. So I'd like to get a little bit deeper into what Viparis is, um, because I think it's not necessarily that obvious. You know, we know some of the convention centers, or at least I know some of the spaces, but I know it covers, I think, 10 or nine, soon to be 10 spaces, right? 10, um, 10 spaces, yeah. yeah. But also, you you mentioned you, you worked in a Portuguese uh, company or government organization kind of promoting Portugal in terms of business. Um, and I wonder if that was important in terms of your development in the meetings and events industry, because I think a lot of people come at it from more of a hospitality background and more from a, I guess, a hotel background. But a lot of the conversations that we have are about really looking at meetings and events as real business generators, as really making an impact in business. And I think coming from that background, has that been something that has always been, I guess, obvious to you or sort of like a steady thing throughout your career? Yes, absolutely. I mean, my my first uh, experience really was uh, gathering sort of the, the Portuguese companies that wanting to wanted to be uh, to access the international markets and uh, exports and uh, and grow their business internationally. Um, and that's why they attended events. So we organized Portuguese pavilions at different uh, exhibitions in uh, here in Paris or in different places. And it's it was always about sort of this. Um, the business connections, the visibility, and and making Portuguese brands more well known. So I think that you're absolutely right. I think it's not uh, for me. It hasn't never really been that much about the actual sort of logistical side of it, but the really why we do events and uh, and that's what I find really interesting is the people as well. And uh, that I get to meet uh, so many really interesting people who are like the. Uh, Either trying to do some, you know, their business better, but also to in the in the sort of the Congress side of it as well, to to share knowledge and uh, and scientific excellence, and th this is what has attracted me really from the beginning is mm -hmm. this aspect of sort of bringing the world together to on to collaborate and to 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 innovate and to do to do better. Brilliant. Mm. So tell me a little bit about Vipari, um, the so structure. Vipari yeah. It's exists um, since 2008, and it was actually a merger of two different companies uh, that managed the uh, conference and exhibition centers here in Paris. Um, so it was a really interesting, has been really interesting journey uh, for the company as well, because it allowed us to uh, really manage all the big spaces. So we have 10 conference and exhibition space uh, centers, and some are very large exhibition centers, some are very small uh more boutique kind of uh, spaces for smaller events. So it's there's quite a big range and they all have their specificities and uh, and allows us to to really uh, advise uh, an, uh, an, an event organizer on what's the best, what would be the best fit of uh, for their event in terms of what they're trying to achieve. 
Um, and this has been uh, an interesting, so th this creation of uh, this larger company was an opportunity for, for us to be more stronger as a destination and to have less sort of competition uh, amongst uh, centers here in Paris and to be more sort of outward focused and allowed us to really develop the international market uh, since the creation in, in 2008. Uh, and then in the meantime, you know, it's, it's a company that has, that is always investing, is always looking at the future. Um, we built recently, and I was quite involved in that, uh, uh, a new convention center that opened in 2018 uh, that's been very successful, that we've attracted the, the we've done a five-year plan to attract the biggest uh, international congresses to Paris. And we're opening a new center this year, next year in 2023. So, it's a company that has uh, yeah a lot always in uh, in in new, with new development and investment in uh, in the destination and of course Paris is a great city to work for. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine having ten venues to choose from is is a real kind of luxury in terms of when clients kind of come to you. Can you um, explain a little bit? Is is it a private company, public company? You know, what's the structure? And I guess what I'm trying to get to is that idea of helping others do business. I think that's kind of important from that perspective, right? But, but mm. maybe start by just explaining the structure of the, the business structure of the company. So it is managed as a private company, um, but we have, it's it's a bit of a mix. We have two shareholders. Uh, one is a company that uh, is called Unibuy Redham Co. Westfield. They uh, manage shopping centers mm -hmm. in different locations in, uh, in Europe and the US. Uh, so that's the kind of the more business side of it. But the other side is uh, the Paris Chamber of Commerce. Yep. So again, it's a lot about sort of helping uh, the uh, Parisian and French uh, companies to to grow and to do international business. And so the the the, the Chamber of Commerce side of it as well is also uh, as important as the sort of the business side. Yeah. And do you also or does the company also get involved in organizing its own events or is it just no, the centers? We okay. just yeah. Um or yeah. we just host events. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Cuz you know, you I, I find it really fascinating how different I guess countries and cities kind of take different approaches, right? So you have the the German model where you have I think it is eight or nine big cities that have massive convention centers and they're essentially publicly funded and then there's they organize a lot of huge events themselves, right? So it becomes like they they generate the business themselves almost. And then you have, I mean, I'm more familiar with, for example, the London and Partners example in the UK, right? Where it's very much a sort of private enterprise business kind of um, organization where you're kind of touching all these different markets, but you're not publicly kind of investing in them necessarily, right? And where do you think that the V Perry kind of model sits in all of that we're quite similar to the uk one uh mm -hmm. in the sense that um, paris has a very long history of events and uh and there are lots of different companies in terms of exhibition organizers and pcos have existed for many years in the city so there wasn't really an as you say it's the the sort of private um enterprise aspect of it has been historically quite strong in in, in our destination so there's no wasn't necessarily a need for uh, yeah. a public kind of um yeah organization sense. to yeah to take care yeah, of yeah i guess you know with yeah. big cities like london and paris with so many businesses there anyway it sort of makes more sense to have that model um you know it's more like hanover and 
no offense to Hanover, of course, but Hanover, you know, they have to build a big fair about X, you know, like farming or whatever it is that they do. And then people come there. So I think that's a completely different model. So, yeah, I just find it really fascinating. Shows, to- if we think of exhibitions, a lot of the shows that are organized here as often have already a sign of a kind of a, a federation behind it. So the, for the, the fashion or for um, I even, you know, like... Um, uh, winemakers, all lots of different, you know, all all of the different the the, the major um, sectors mm-hmm. where Paris has lead, uh, world leading shows. There often is a kind of in association or federation behind that uh, is is a sort of the event organizer. In the end, yeah. you know, there is probably a kind of a read or a come exposium there somewhere as well. But yeah. there, in the background, there's always also a federation. Yeah, oh, that makes lots of sense. Is on the B two B side. Um, what would you say are the kind of most one or, or other or more um, kind of iconic shows that, that are sort of people can think of Paris? You know, they always are there any shows that kind of stay in Paris and you really feel like that's a real iconic show that the people associate with Paris? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, I gave yeah some some examples of sort of sort of the the fashion industry has uh, quite a few shows uh, that are to do with starting even from the actual textile business, the beginning part, like a première vision, or uh, then to the kind of uh, finished product uh, with a who's next uh, exhibition, uh, exhibitions to do with yeah food and wine, quite important sort of. Sial uh, is a world leading show in in the food industry uh, that's held every two years and it's a recurring event in Paris they also have other shows in the rest of the world but the big flagship is is here in Paris Um, in uh, um, aeronautics so the Paris um, air show is quite well known as well Uh, we're looking forward to hosting that one again uh, next year after after COVID (laughs) and uh, then events in sort of uh, security so there are lots of different branches where where France is quite uh, has quite a lot of um, uh, big industrial companies and uh, kind of a world leadership where it makes sense for the shows to be held here that makes sense yeah I was fortunate to be at the cardiology uh, ESC the cardiology event I think it was 2018 at Vipari, 19 19 19 yeah wow okay so that was right before the pandemic right and, before uh, exactly yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah, of course, that the medical aspect is also super important. Uh, and um, France has a long history of hosting international congresses, has always been a real a Congress city. Yeah. Uh, and France is quite, um, in the sense that it's, it's uh, we also host a lot of the French congresses of the, mm-hmm. the different medical specialities, but they tend to take place in Paris annually and not move around so much like in other European des- uh, countries. Which means we always we have a very close relationship with uh, with the French scientific community as well. Yeah, right. So I guess makes makes a lot of sense. So changing topic slightly, but a bit of a fun question: When you speak to your family or friends, um, and they're not kind of involved in the industry, is it like what do you what do they think you do? Um, what I tell them is that uh, my job is bringing the world to meet in Paris. So. Uh, I guess you know it's uh it's having this the, the spaces where people can have uh, amazing events and I, I try to take my kids actually to some events so that <laughs> they see a little bit of what what it is that I do um yeah. but uh yeah it's uh it's about yeah bringing everybody to the to the city and then I think that they kind of understand it mm-hmm. uh 
Yeah, I, I, I think I, I asked this question quite a few times, and I think particularly on the planner side, I think a lot of uh, people, people's families and friends just don't really understand, you know, what it really means. Or there is this thing called the meetings and events industry. It's 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 a bit nebulous, but I guess with, with venues, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's but a bit easier, idea. exactly, because there's something concrete that you can go and see. Uh, exactly. they, you know, they can see an auditorium and they can see an exhibition center and they kind of understand them, even though they probably associate it more with uh, the sort of uh, the events that are more sort of B two C and like the the, the shows, or uh, but they they kind of they don't really understand exactly what it is and what what happens there, but they see the actual physical space. So it's, exactly. it is easier to understand on the venue there, side. There's yeah. a building you rent out the building, and there are certain things yeah. that happen there, and then that happens. So go, going along that theme, I mean, what what makes an event? at Vipari or at one of the Vipari events, what makes it kind of different? Like what is the contribution that, that an event event space like Vipari um, can really do to an event, you know, to really make it stand out? Um, I think that, um, I would say that, first of all, there's there's the city. Uh, and that I think that's a really important element of- uh, You of can't really separate those of, things, right? That's that, that comes with the package. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and these these are things that you know when I'm when I'm looking at uh, for example when I'm recruiting someone it's uh, they kind of have to love the city that's one of the basic things you know it's also this uh, uh, yeah. part of you know when uh, selling the destination is also being kind of in love with your city and uh, and knowing and being a good host in many ways right so you're kind of hosting exactly. people in that city right yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, we're really lucky. I mean, it's a city that has lots of, uh, it's a super, you know, in terms of the monuments and things to visit um, and uh, and the sort of art de vivre, as we say in French, you know, there's lots of great experiences you can have here in terms of food and shopping and mm-hmm. nice hotels and lovely walks and you know, the, the experience of the city is really good. But it's also a city that's not, it's not just, um about the sort of touristic aspects of it and the fact that it's fun to come here. It's also an, a really uh, dynamic business city, Paris, and uh, with a lot of um, a lot of startups, a lot of innovation, a lot of creativity, a lot of uh, of people who who work here and uh, who who work in sort of knowledge economy. So there's it's a, it's a dynamic business city as well, and so I think that also helps in terms of getting the right people uh, to to come to events and the. Uh, of course, the accessibility aspect of, of it as well. I think more than ever, the fact that we have great train connections is, makes it, uh, you know, for all Europeans coming to travel here, it's really great to be able to just yeah. take the train and uh, be here in two or three hours and not have to to fly. I think that's becoming also an important uh, and now, uh, criteria. now, within France as well. Especially now. with the sustainability, exactly. Yes. And within France, exactly. Um but then I'd say in terms of the, the sort of venue aspects and some of the things that we look at in terms of um, of keeping our venues uh, successful for the future, it's investing in in things like technology, of course, you know, the, the having the, the best Wi-Fi and the capacity to do hybrid events. Uh, since since COVID, we've invested quite a lot in, in this kind of technology, mm-hmm. but also creating um, experiences. And this is something that we've, um, so we've, we've launched already five years ago, a startup incubator called the French Event Booster, which mm-hmm. is dedicated to the events industry, where we, we host and incubate uh, startups 
that uh, offer services that are specific to our industry. And that's helped us have a lot of inspiration and uh, and create a, a, a kind of an ecosystem where we we bring our customers together with these startups to to give them ideas of uh, and we do conferences and events uh, about uh, future topics that, that could be interesting to think about uh, in terms of, uh, of of creating better experiences for visitors and exhibitors. Um, and this has led to things like um, we've transformed recently since COVID uh, some of our venue space into these uh, spa- uh, into immersive spaces. Okay. Uh, so I can give an example. Um, we opened at uh, Port de Versailles, which is one of our bigger exhibition centers, a space called Jam Capsule, and it's a uh, it's a 360 degree screen, as uh, so immersive space where uh, there are different uh, film creators create a, a 40 minute capsule uh, where you can come and and be inspired for like a, yeah a short moments and these these are events that are so these are spaces that can be uh, that are open to the public where you can buy a ticket and come and and visit so it means the uh, the the venues are open to everybody even when events are not going on but also for people attending events they can have a little after after exhibition moments or to to spend a, a bit of time sort of doing something completely different you know in, yeah. in their day at, a, at visiting an event so we're looking at how we can do more of this and help and inspire our customers to do these kind of spaces within their events as well mm-hmm. so that um i i think that um post covid it's super important uh to to create uh, a real some memorable moments and at events so that people come uh, and when they go home they remember something a bit different and they've had an experience and they know why they made the effort to come yeah that's Apart fascinating. From and just the, you know attending events yeah the startup <laughs> incubator that's actually at one of your venues there's an actual it's kind of office space yes exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. yes are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So you actually made me think of something. I was at um, Event Tech Live, a relatively small show in London for event technology. It was at London Excel for the first time. And London Excel, I don't know if you're familiar with the venue, you know, it's kind of like a long venue with lots of different kind of halls on each side. And what I kind of realized when I was there was that it, it felt a little bit like being in a, almost like a B2B shopping mall. Because I walked in and there was, I think there must have been 10 or 12 different events happening all, you know, relatively small, maybe a thousand, two thousand people each kind of thing. Um, but you walked in and there was just, okay, there was the business show and there was this other farming show and this farmer show and there was these things. And then there was Event Tech Live and it, it kind of suddenly made sense that these centers, because I kind of see the big venues as being like, okay, when there's this big show, it's full and it's full of people and it kind of comes to life. But when there isn't a big show, it's sort of sometimes is quite empty, but I could see how it was very flexible and it kind of had all these different things happening. And it made sense to me, like the, the shops still worked, the restaurants worked because there was all these kind of smaller shows filling it up and, and making this 
I don't know if it's a weird analogy, but this kind of mall for for businesses in a way. Is that how your you see your venues or how they they work kind of most of the time, or are they more about the kind of like bigger shows that kind of take over the whole spaces? Most of our venues are very multi-event as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's super important as well in uh, looking to the future is look having had this poss- this flexibility to host many events at the same time. Uh, they each have their own kind of uh, experience in their own space. Uh, I think that's you know we have to be to adapt yeah. to whatever our customers want. But then having and common then spaces them. where different people can have food or whatever they need to do and kind of do exactly. their thing. Exactly. Right? And I think this is something that we've also learned a lot from uh, our, our um, one of our shareholders, which is which is this shopping mall company. So, exactly. And, and I kind of agree with you. You know, there is there are similarities in uh, uh, in in the, the, the what we, what we do in the sense if we think of a shopping mall, yeah, it's the the, the shopping mall is the, the the actual space and has its own sort of. Uh, responsibilities in terms of the visitor experience, which are the, so the food courts and the, the reception area and all of the, and then each shop kind of does their own. And it's a similar to an event in the sense mm-hmm. that you have the organizer who's in charge of the sort of registration and, uh, and content. And, and then the, each exhibitor creates their own little space where they also need to engage with the visitors. So there are, there are similarities in the, in the, in these, uh, two, uh, business concepts. And I think one of the things that we've looked uh, to in, in the, when we're investing in transforming our spaces, it's also about um, creating a kind of 365 day experience where people will we try to, we try to attract people every day of the year and not just when there, there are events. So uh, in terms of the investments that we've made, it's it's been about uh, bringing uh, better restaurants that, that uh, Parisians will come to. So I, I can give you an example of the, our most recent um, pavilion that we opened in, well, just just before pandemic as well. Uh, in November 2019, it's Pavilion 6 of Port de Versailles. Um, so it, it's an exhibition hall, uh, but the roof uh, is um, an urban farm. Uh, so it, nice. it, it's one. Of, it's actually Europe's largest uh, rooftop urban farm where we grow fruits and vegetables uh, that are used in the venue. Uh, there are plots where Parisians can come and uh, and grow their own uh, fruits and vegetables. And on the so on this rooftop space, we also built a small event space uh, that we manage. And uh, uh, a rooftop bar. It's called Le Perchoir. Uh, and this, when uh, events was not yet going on after COVID, it was open a bit earlier than everybody else, and ha- has been super successful because it's been it was a cool space for Parisians to come and have some cocktails and some food, and it has really worked very well in, in terms of creating a synergy between. Uh, Parisians and event visitors, and at the moment, it's you know there's a whole mix of people who come and uh, and use this space and uh, and have a kind of after work experience for uh, for events. But it's uh, and a lot of this is um, we're trying to do this in every single one of our venues to to mm. open them more to the city and to have um, have them be places where people want to come and meet, even if they're not attending a show. Really interesting. I mean, as you're talking, I'm I'm sort of seeing this real blend of B2C and B2B happening. Is that kind of like a conscious part of your strategy? 
Absolutely, and and I think yeah, exactly, and uh, uh, like this this idea of immersive experiences or having uh, uh, at the moment we have an um, also um, we all, we've, we we used to do these only during the summer uh, in our uh, some months where we didn't have events we would have a, a kind of cultural or exhibitions for for Parisians with um, I can give you a few examples we had a the Smurfs experience or the yeah. uh, Tutankhamun exhibition. Uh, and now we're doing these more and more. Uh, at the moment, we have a, a Friends, you know, the Friends uh, uh, TV series experience exhibition. So it's blending, uh, yeah, uh, B2C in the sense of also bringing Parisians into to the venues as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, as you said that, I also thought museums. So it's like shopping malls, museums, mm. convention centers. They're all spaces where you help people gather around some kind of topic, right? So ultimately, they're not that different, even though we look at them in very different ways. But if if you can merge them and make them useful, I mean, essentially, you have to keep the spaces busy, right? The spaces have to make sense uh, commercially. So it, it, of course, it makes a lot of sense to bring all these things together. Fascinating. I think that's definitely a, a conversation for the future. So let's talk a little bit about your your ICA journey. Um, I think if you don't mind, if you could explain for anybody listening who doesn't know what ICA is, if you could give a, a short introduction and talk to us a little bit about your journey, and and then we can talk a bit about your your plans for the future. So um, for those who don't know ICA, it's the International Congress and Convention Association. It's an association that was founded or in the 1960s already so it's been around for a while uh and it was started uh in, with the idea of uh collaborating and uh, and sharing knowledge about international con rotating congresses yes. so uh, the the founding members thought you know oh there's these events and they're interesting and they go from one city to uh, to another and why don't we share uh, some of our experiences so that we 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 we're better at uh, at bidding and hosting uh, the bidding for and hosting these events? And that's how it started. So and you know, sixty years later, it's still going. And uh, so we have a database of more than twelve thousand international road testing congresses where we have loads of data about their history, where they've been, or the dates and uh, contact details. And so these tend a really to be useful tool association events right or, or medical association, association academic yeah. kind of not just of medical events. yeah exactly uh association rotating events exactly yeah. um and so it's uh it started in a kind of a commercial uh with a kind of a commercial um objective and that's still part of a strong part of what what it's what's it about and why people join um, but it's also become more about uh, sharing and collaboration on other topics and things like, you know, what are the future trends and, and how we can work better together. And, and because it's these when we share information and we, we gather people in events, we also create uh, relationships between people that have the same job, that do the same thing in different places of the world. And then creates this opportunity for also sharing knowledge on lots of different other things um, and having access to a kind of a, a network and worldwide community of people that, uh, that that do the same as you do and that you can call whenever you have a question. And uh, so that's that's been that's really valuable, I think, uh, for our members. And the members um, are mainly kind of destinations and convention centers and those kind of businesses so tend the, to be members. All this kind of supply chain of uh, international events. Uh, so, yeah, destinations, convention centers, but even 
people who make, you know, do registration or sort of tech companies or who do the lanyards for conferences, yeah. you know, really transportation. So the whole, uh, yeah. anyone who's involved in the supplying services for international congresses. And recently we also created a, a, a community of uh, the, with the associations as well, the organizers themselves, so that, because it seemed weird not to have them as part of our community. And so uh, that this is a more, more recent addition. Uh, so we have now uh, around 400 associations who are also members of our association community where we engage with them and we we share, you know, with the, the topics of discussion are similar. So it makes mm. sense to have them have them with us. I've, I've always felt, you know, ICA, I went to my first ICA Congress in Krakow, which was great. And uh, I wrote about that as well. So um, it was, was nice to kind first, of see really? It was my first, yes. You know, you, you sort of, you know, you, you go to lots of, there's there's a sort of a, you know, event circuit that the industry does and you sort of go to a lot of them, you know, the IMXs and the MPIs and things like that. And then ICA was one that I'd never been to for whatever reason, but it, a lot of people there were familiar to me. So I felt very welcome and the ICA community was very welcoming. So I very enjoyed that. Um, but I've always felt that ICA was this unique place where I guess conversations could be had between um, suppliers, as you said, the supply chain that couldn't be done in, in other places because there wasn't so much of a, I guess, competition element or it was more kind of learning from each other. I think now with having the associations there, it makes lots of sense. You know, you're sort of talking about association events to have the associations there makes total sense. But do you feel that that's sort of changed the conversations in some ways? No, I don't think so, because I think that um, there there are still sort of you can, there are still spaces where you can have those conversations that are sort of the non-competitive and collaboration conversations amongst uh, peers within your sector, because we have sectors for each uh, uh, category of member, like the venue sector or the destination sector, and where we share lots of uh, information and knowledge. But, you know, when we think of things that are sort of general trends or challenges that we're facing, we're kind of facing them together. Uh, and I think that the, the same things that we are thinking about for the future, and if we think of things like sustainability or event impact of events, or, you know, the, the, these are conversations that we need, we should be having just amongst ourselves, because a lot of it we do in partnership with the associations as well. So it, it I don't think that that really changes anything in the way that we, uh, uh, yeah. that we talk to each other and and our congresses and events tend to be you know there i think associations also feel welcome because it's it's about the knowledge sharing not it's not really commercial you know you're not there to to sell them something you're you're there to share and to to work together and to collaborate on finding solutions together so I, yeah. I don't think that you know. Maybe that was a fear that we had in the in the past, but I think that we've really definitely got past it, and it's uh, and we've understood that. Yeah, a lot of it is about partnership. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting because also the way you mentioned partnerships um, made me think that. In some ways, if you look at the kind of business need of that association or the sector that that association represents. When you partner with the association, where the venue and the city partners with the association to put on the event, you're sort of solving that need or you're matching that need or you're kind of like servicing that in some way. So it makes sense that you talk about how you can do that together. I guess ultimately the client, the, the association is the client, but if there isn't a business need or something that they have to do within that sector, nothing happens, right? The association doesn't just sort of put on events out of thin air, right? So in that sense, I think it's quite different from, from a corporate client that is very much more connected with the, I guess, the, the business of that 
that corporation that, that's kind of putting on the event. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and uh, destinations have a really important role in helping associations uh, when they come to the city to really connect with the local stakeholders, with, uh, with the, the local community, even if they have community projects with the city, you know, that, that that's, you can't do that really by yourself. You know, an association can't really do it without the destination. And, uh, and so a lot of uh, these, and I, I think even if we think about sort of how we 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 got through the sort of uh, the, the COVID period, we realized I think that we need each other yep. more and more, and then uh, and that we're more successful when we work together. Yeah, I like that. That's a very good message, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, Ica, like any association, um, has been through quite a tough period with with COVID. I think it's 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 been a tough time for for the whole industry. I think one thing I did want to point out is that Ica is probably one of the most international associations in the industry. I find that a lot of associations are more focused either in North America or in other kind of regions. And ICA, I think for whatever reason, has managed to be very international. It really has a really diverse um, membership. But um, would love to talk a bit about your plans. I mean, tough times, a couple of years, three years roughly of, of quite challenging times. Obviously, now you've just become president in at the Congress, right? So that was in November of 2022. What, what's the future look like for you? What's your vision for where do you want to take ICA? So I think it's going to be uh, an interesting time. Uh, as you say, it's, it's been hard. It's been hard for for associations, but also for all of the different companies in our membership. They've lived through a really difficult period the last uh, two years. Uh, and now we're opening up again. And, and I think the most important thing now to, that we are opening uh, again is is thinking about how we can do things better and how we, we shouldn't really be doing things, go back to just go back to doing things that we, the way we did before and how we're going to. And I think there's a, a real opportunity uh, for us to use ICA as a platform for, uh, again, sharing ideas and knowledge and, and, and doing uh, and becoming so, sort of trying to achieve our, our goals and innovation faster because we would we would do it together. Um, like like many associations, we this this difficult period has meant that we've uh, we've we've had to be more agile and make a lot of uh, last minute decisions and pivot our international congress from to go completely digital in 2020 to to do a kind of experimental hybrid uh, event with uh, multi destinations in 2021. Um, and now I think that we're coming back to 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 in person gatherings and to to kind of the business of the normal business of the association as as, as it were. Um, that it's important to to go back to to listening to our members and what they need. So that's going to be my first project um, is to have a member survey and uh, focus group meetings to really listen to members and to to hear from them what's important to them, what what kind of services that are that we are providing, what's what's useful for them, what's not so useful, what we should could be doing more and better. Um, so that's that's going to be the first because I think as we have quite an interesting uh, board of directors that's very diverse as we have all of the uh, regions of the world that are represented, all of the sectors are represented. So we, we I think that uh, in terms of uh, uh, member representation, it's quite good. 
but I, I feel that it's time to to kind of get really back to the source and to have uh, to have our members be able to have their own individual voice in uh, in building our strategy together. Um, and then, so these in terms of uh, uh, priorities are also about um, getting members to participate more than they did because i think uh, also in the last few years uh, we've all been dealing with covid we're still at the moment dealing with reopening and uh, and everybody's super busy and uh, so the challenge of, of the next year is also getting everybody back to participating uh, in uh, in the life of the association and engaging and uh, being more active in the community uh, this the the way i'd like to do that is also to look at um allocating then uh, possibly more um, resources to our regions, to our chapters, because these are also great places where people can can network and have a first contact with the association uh, and get to to start to get to know the community. There's been a lot of turnover as well, if we think about it, in terms of the people who work in the, uh, because we're an organization membership, so our members are companies. But of course, you know, associations are connected by people. They're not just... Uh, yeah, an organization is only as 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 uh, participative as the people who uh, make it make up this the organization who who participate in events, um, and we're looking also at um, at looking uh, at um, and uh, the member data will give us some insights on this, also on maybe changing our membership model as well uh, okay. to do something that's possibly. Uh, more option based and less a kind of a bundled one size fits all membership but to give uh, members the possibility to add or buy certain services that they feel useful and then or or not uh, if they think that they're not so useful so interesting the, the unbundling and we're going through exactly yeah 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 and at the same time we're going through uh and we've already started it um a kind of digital transformation of our of the association where we're uh, reviewing completely our website CRM uh, and our famous database uh, to make it more user friendly and we'll be delivering that uh, middle of next year yeah I saw the presentation from simple view I think at the, at the Congress talked a little bit about that and big plans around that mm. so Two-year presidency. A lot of presidents I hear also do a second mandate. So we'll see if it's a two-year or four-year, but uh, we'll we'll come to that, uh, I'm sure, soon. But let's let's say it's two years, or at least what would you like to see at the two-year mark that would kind of be a, a good check mark for you? Like, yeah, this is this I've done a good job. I've, I've I'm proud of what I've achieved. Um, I think that the uh... The fact that I've been quite involved with ICA for a long time, because I've been involved for already 12 years, so that's a long time. Um, in As in a volunteer position, I used to be in the Franz Benelux chapter and then represented Europe on the board, and I was vice president, and now I'm a president. It means that it's not such a, I don't have that, I think we can, uh, I, the, the, I don't have a, such a learning curve, you know, and I, I, I hope to be able to deliver things quite fast. Uh, because there's not so much, you know, I know the association quite well, uh, the staff, uh, the board, and uh, that we can um, uh, be quite quick about uh, delivering on some of these objectives that I was talking about. Um, I think that the, what I'd like to see and is, um, and, it, and it's a little bit about measurement and data, is um, 
we have um we have a community that seems we have a kind of intuition that they're very engaged and that we do lots of things and people participate a lot. I'd like to see how much we can actually measure that uh, through our CRM, our new CRM that we were implementing, implementing, and to be able to see well where we are now, and then maybe in a year's time how we've progressed. And uh, because I think the participation in association activities. Uh, in, term, in terms of people using our database, you, coming to our events or uh, engaging in projects, innovation projects and all, all different things that we do is really a measure of success of the association. It's uh, that, That's what we're here for. And I'd like to be able to have, you know, some tangible data that we can that we can use to 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 talk about that. I love that. I think engagement is sort of a measure of success, I think is really, really powerful because as you say, you can, you can, you can have all the nice features advertised and you can have all the nice press, but if people are actually using things, then the association kind of doesn't have as much importance in, in a lot of people's minds. You mentioned something quite earlier, quite interesting earlier, um, about the listening to the members. And I think that's always a great place to start. But I wanted to maybe ask a little bit of a tricky question in terms of what if the members ask you to do something that I guess the board or or the team doesn't see as a direction for the association? Because I've seen this happen in some occasions where, you know, you ask members what they want and actually members want to kind of go in a completely different direction. How do you how do you figure that out, right? How do you balance that out in terms of is it just totally whatever the members want, the association will do, or or, or how do you balance it with with what the, I guess the the association, the staff, and the board think is is the direction for the association? I think it really is about the members. You know, we're you're, we're in a member association, and I think this is. Uh, I, of course, I would have to have, you know, if it's a, it would have to have a quite a, a large percentage of members who are mm-hmm. wanting to do this very different thing, you know. Uh, and I think this is one, and I don't know if you were there when I, at the General Assembly, when I gave my presidential speech just before the election, but it was really about getting, an, uh, and to go back on our conversation about engagement, it was about telling telling members really, if if you don't participate and if you're not my my real challenge is getting people to participate uh, and i hope that they will and uh and i will do my maximum effort to get people to participate uh because if we have a, a big critical mass of people who really want us to do something then we do it i mean there's i think it seems obvious to me it's not uh you're not expecting anybody to ask for anything so left field that it wouldn't make sense right but, or if they do then it probably does make sense yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great approach. I mean, I've I've seen this happen at, at, at a number of places where you kind of, you know, um, take a survey of the members, and then the members are kind of, in some ways, members can be kind of driven by the the the, the shiny light, like the, the bright light that's happening, or oh, the industry is all about you know new uh, technology. So like, let's become a technology association. I think mm-hmm. sometimes that can be quite extreme when when something is is quite powerful. Um, so that's really my question about. How do you balance that out? Because I think the the board and the staff, I think, have a different vision on things a lot of times, and and you kind of want to make sure that it, it aligns as much as possible. Well, I think that you know, it's uh, I think people understand the purpose of Ikea uh, in the yeah. sense that they probably wouldn't, 
you know, uh, ch change it completely. I mean, I, uh, I've had loads of conversations with members during my the campaign period, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that there's quite is a community that really understands uh, the value of the association. And I think that there are things that we could do a bit better that, that members would expect us to do maybe a bit better. Uh, but I don't think it's the idea is really to change completely because the, it's an association that. You know, the last 60 years, it's, it's exists for a long time. And uh, and the, the main purpose of uh, sharing and collaboration, and of course, you know, this, I don't think it will change, you know, that, yeah. that people still value that in the future and, uh, and they, they won't completely change direction either, you know. Yeah. I have to say the, <laughs> the, the whole election process at ICA is quite interesting. I mean, I don't know many associations that still have such a, it feels Democratic very sort of, process. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even the sort of bureaucracy or admin side of things, but the, the real public nature of the campaigning and that like the three candidates and the, you know, you, you make videos, you make kind of speeches, you make statements. It's very, it's very similar to a political campaign, right? To a political election in some ways. And I find that quite fascinating because at least to my knowledge, most of these associations in the industry that I know don't do anything like that. You know, there's a vote of some extent, but it's very much like, these are the people that have been experienced and have put themselves forward. Let's decide on who should be the next kind of president, right? It's it's a very much more subdued kind of kind of thing. So is that just a tradition thing with ICA or is that an intentional, I guess, sort of, you know, like raising some more PR eyebrows in some ways? Well, I think it's, it's, it's a tradition. Of course, it is. You know, it has, it's, it's, uh, it has always worked that way. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's quite an interesting one in sense, again, to come back on the engagement aspect of it is that people um, feel that they really have a voice and that they get to choose who represents them and that they do it, you know, they, they, for for reasons, they understand why and what the, and the, and the fact that it's, as you say, it's quite, we're very global. Um, and so it's important for, for the member who is, you know, far from from a head office in a, in a country in Africa or Latin America or, or, or Asia to feel that they that their membership counts. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that quite nice, you know, that it's uh, that, and, and I think that the, um, and this year I thought it was a bit more than usual uh, because I think that um, online tools, gave us a possibility to have more direct engagement with members. And uh, so there are lots of conversations happening and presentations of the candidates uh, via the chapters uh, to, to the members. And they were quite well attended, these, these mm -hmm. events, and people were really curious and, and took the time to come and listen. And and I thought that was and, – and, and again, we I think we had – Great figures in terms of voting, you know, mo mo most uh, more than fifty percent of the members voted, which is which is great. So, yeah, I think it's quite an it's quite a nice tradition in the sense that it allows <laughs> you know members to to really have a voice, yeah, uh, and to participate. Yeah, it's really really interesting. So, thank you for sharing that. So, want to start wrapping up? I have a couple a couple last questions, or one last question, and, and then one request in terms of sort of challenges for the industry are, are there any kind of big challenges coming up ahead that maybe less obvious that you think could could be you know really um really a challenge i guess really a, a hurdle for the industry to overcome that you'd like to find a way to, to kind of overcome 
Um, I think that we, um, well, of course, there are the obvious ones and uh, that, are, that we're all talking about and that were a lot of the, the basis of our uh, the program of our Congress this year and where we talked about sustainability, of course, uh, uh, diversity and inclusion um, and and uh, legacy and impact so these these are the big topics that we all need to address together uh mm-hmm. and to 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 find uh, solutions for and then to to look at roadmaps and detailed plans of how we're going to address these 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 big issues um but i think some of the ones that we may be talking about a bit less are um, uh the kind of the talents and uh, the the hr um issues that we're all facing and i i felt like that a lot of the conversations i've had with members in the last at shows and you probably did the same miguel you had i'm sure that everybody's talking about this is how we we manage um recruitment retention upskilling of our of, of our people um and how we keep our industry uh, attractive for the future, because I've had also conversations with event management schools where they have le- less students uh, enrolling and signing up. And um, and Very I mean, worrying. we've always been kind of a glamorous industry. People uh, think that we <laughs> yeah. events, it's cool, you know, of course, not necessarily the sort of medical events. I, I, I you know, when people, they probably think like festivals and, uh, but uh, e- events have been uh, a cool place to work for the last, uh, as was advertising, you know, you know, there are lots, there are some industries maybe, that- Maybe the veneer has come off, glamorous- right? People, yeah, exactly. People know more now. The knowledge is more common that actually events are quite stressful. So maybe it's not so attractive as it, as it once was. And, and, you know, and the fact that we were shut down during COVID, that was kind of scary. I think I can imagine that people saw uh, the p- people getting laid off or furloughed and thought, well, hmm, is it really a kind of a safe place to work? And uh, do I really want to have That's a career? A in, uh... So I think that... Um, Addressing this is, um, it's about, of course, collaborating with schools and universities and uh, talking and having more communication about what it is that we do and why it's fun and why it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, And also um, projects like um, involving the sort of younger generations of our members and using them as as a way, as a voice. So I'm I'm very proud uh, of our Future Leaders Council. I think they're an amazing group of people. Um, and having sort of uh, these younger generations in our in our boards and talking and speaking at our events and having a voice at the at the table and participating in, in the important conversations. Yeah. And uh, the the program that we we recently launched and hasn't yet been much talked about, but it's uh, it's it's, it's uh, we we're trying to launch more and more sort of in person uh, training is is our Ica Skills program, uh, which is to be able to to train people faster and with less kind of effort from managers because a lot of people come to our industry and they don't necessarily have a kind of any specific training and mm-hmm. it's often done by by managers in uh, in the different companies and the departments and if we can accelerate that and get people uh, up to speed uh, faster i think that would be a, a great opportunity for us all to 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 rebuild and uh, our industry faster yeah, no, no, that's a really good point. Very interesting point you made about COVID. Honestly, something I'd never really thought about that much. I guess I just assume every industry was impacted in some ways, but of course our industry was, or events, live in-person events were much more impacted. So yeah, for a young person looking at that, it might not be super attractive to kind of dive into something that can be impacted like that or that they saw being impacted like that. So just to kind of expand on that slightly, 
if you were giving advice to young people that were considering um, kind of joining this industry, what would you tell them? A super rewarding industry. I mean, you get to see really the uh, the places where the really important conversations happen. Uh, I think events are really special in that way uh, that you you gather people for lots of different reasons that are about uh, improving and growing their businesses, and but also about innovation and 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 scientific progress and having the important conversations of society addressing world problems uh, in one room and being the, the, the place where that happens. Um, and also, I mean, it's, it's uh, an exciting industry to work for in the sense that it's not one, one day is not, never the same as the other. Uh, and you're always looking to the future uh, and, you get to meet with the world experts of absolutely every single industry in the world and, uh, and, and build relationships with them and get to listen to them. So I think that it's, yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's an industry as well where you can quite easily progress in your career. I think you can, uh, you can start uh, by, be I, and I've, I've, I remember having a conversation about it with someone who, started out uh, as a waiter at Disneyland and thinking, oh, you know, being proud of how their job was to put kind of sparkles in glasses or I don't know what it was exactly, but being a part of this, having a small contribution uh, of a detail that is in a very large event where, you know, they were contributing to something big and uh, and magical. Um, and I think that you can start in, uh, in whatever position and quite quickly, you know, uh, learn new things and, uh, and, uh, and progress. And it's, it's, uh, and interestingly, you, you don't necessarily have to have a specific kind of education for it. You know, it's, you, you can come from, uh, it's a very, there we have the uh, possibility of having really diverse people from, from almost any industry that uh, can can join ours and 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 be successful if they are curious and they they have they're passionate about connecting people. Love it, passionate about connecting people. I think that's that's a that's definitely <laughs> a qualification required. So just to wrap up, wanted to get from you um, recommendation for somebody we should have on the show. We we love interviewing interesting people that are passionate about the uh, the events industry or just events in general. Um, would love to get a recommendation from you. Sure. So um, actually, uh, I have someone in mind who would be who I met recently, and uh, I, she's called Kira Schilling, uh, and she was uh, the organizer in a, a startup event in Munich called Bits and Pretzels that was uh, you know uh, previously in her career, and she's launched uh, an online event. So I participated in the second edition that took place just yesterday, yesterday and the day before. Uh, and it's called the Event Expert Circle. Uh, and it's a place where she brings uh, tech companies that organize events, but not necessarily organize events, but tech companies that are interested about events and how they can be uh, a place where you can showcase innovations and uh, and uh, and create a transformation. So definitely Kira, I think would be, she, she's a really interesting person. I think she would be a great person for you to talk to next. Perfect. And I'm Appreciate glad it. to we'll, share her, her. Yes, please her do share details. her contacts, and we'll, we'll we'll make it happen. 
Uh, Marta, been a pleasure talking. Thank you for taking the time to catch up with us. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And I wish you lots of luck with the presidency. Maybe we'll have another round in, in a couple of years and uh, maybe you'll have your, your second term and, and we can talk more about the plans for the, for the future at that point as well. That would be lovely. Thank you, Miguel. Really enjoyed it as well. Thank you.